Hi, and welcome to the Define Your Exit podcast from Emergent. At Emergent, it's our mission to own and operate an active portfolio of exceptional brands that have long-term vision and turn them into category leaders. Now, every week we discuss valuable strategies with industry leaders and service providers that will maximize your business valuation and allow you to define what selling your business looks like. Whether you're looking to sell your business tomorrow or just curious to learn more about the Amazon aggregator space, this podcast is for you. Now, I'm your host, Barkas Patty, and I'm grateful to be part of the Amazon community for over six years, working in the software space and selling on Amazon since 2015. In that time frame, I've helped thousands of businesses launch products on Amazon and build great software for analytics, marketing, and customer engagement. And we'd love to connect with you and answer any questions you have about exiting your business and starting that next chapter of your life. Go to Emergent.com to contact us or email me directly at Barkus at Emergent.com. That's B-A-R-C-U-S at E-M-E-R-G-A-N-T dot com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can get notified about every new episode. Hey everybody, Marcus Patty here with Emergent. Uh, this is episode 14 of Define Your Exit podcast. And uh, this podcast is all about uh, exiting your business, uh, selling your business to somebody else that's getting acquired. And my job with this podcast is to teach you and inform you on everything that you need to know to sell that business before you want to sell it. It takes a long time. Uh, and there's a lot of things that I feel like people don't think about. And, uh, and so, yeah, so this is what this podcast is all about. I just want to help prepare people and educate people on how to sell your business to get the best valuation for that business and put it in the right company's hands. So today, my guest is Baptiste with Fortunate. Uh, me and Baptiste is, uh, we've known each other for a while. Uh, this is kind of how like most of my friends are. I've known you for a while on social media, but we finally got a chance to meet face to face and prosper this year. Um, I was just excited to get out of the house, honestly. Um, but it was a, it was great to see you. We got to sit down and talk about a lot of things. Um, and so, yeah, this is Baptiste with Fortunate. Hi, everybody. Hi, Barkers. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here and, uh, you know, uh, excited to uh, come and provide some value for uh, sellers out there in the community. That's awesome. Uh, so tell me, just so everybody knows, and I'll probably learn several things uh, while you speak, but tell me a little bit about how you got involved in uh, the Amazon community, selling products online, uh, and then how you kind of uh, uh, got involved with Fortunate. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so I've been um, in digital marketing since 2010-11 out of necessity. Uh, I was a restaurant owner. Um, I have about, you know, uh, over 15, 20 years uh, experience in the hospitality industry. And I, I was a business owner and uh, I was trying to figure out how to bring customer to my uh, to my restaurant. So um, after a while, I, I kind of, uh, you know, had a, a few goes at Facebook ads back then, earlier version. And uh, I proved that to be very successful. And that triggered um, the whole interest for online marketing. Um, fast forward in 2014-15, I actually was in China um, uh, and uh, with my then girlfriend and I was working for uh, a company uh, sourcing products from Europe and other, you know, name brand products uh, for their, for the convenience store that I was, uh, chain that I was uh, working with. So a bit of supply chain, you know, mainly uh, doing what I know about, 
European products and, and getting the network and the SKU in place. Um, and, and a bit later, you know, uh, during that time, I've seen, you know, the opportunity of Amazon, uh, eBay, that model of uh, buying stuff from China and sell it over to marketplaces came to my knowledge and I was really paying attention. Uh, but it's not before 2017 that I jumped in uh, and uh, I was back in London then doing arbitrage without a car. Uh, and th this was very painful. <laughs> uh, so very quickly, I was like, okay, this is not working. I want to um, to learn maybe something else. And uh, private label was the, the things that I thought about. So uh, going to ASD in Vegas, I met with a seller that was in Shenzhen. And, uh, you know, he, we, we sort of agreed to uh, for me to go there and learn, um, you know, uh, off of this business, how to sell on Amazon. So, um, I moved over to China again and uh, from from Shenzhen uh, learned how to sell on Amazon and uh, that happened for the course of two to three years. I became a consultant, a marketplace manager and also a sourcing agent. So that's that was, you know, my coming in the Amazon space. Um, now, uh, after the pandemic hit, when the pandemic hit, I, I kind of had to move outside of China for obvious reason. Uh, and couldn't get back in. So my operations there have been diminished to, uh, you know, almost nothing. And uh, I thought it was a good idea to move on and, and not just leave uh, trying to get, you know, cling on the on what I couldn't control. So um, I moved to the US uh, for a while, doing some marketing for Amazing at Home and, uh, you know, meeting people online uh, for coffee chats, what I still do uh, to this day. I love to meet people and network. And this is how I met with one of our co-founders uh, at Fortunate, Yao Kabili. And uh, after a civil discussion, we we agreed to uh, to work together. And I joined Fortunate and the business development team in August uh, 2021. Um, so it's uh, it's been a, a few uh, few months now. Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, I didn't realize that you had, uh, your story is very cool because you're constantly traveling, um, you know, all over the world. I know you've spent some time uh, in, in Texas, I think this year and last year, uh, but then yeah. also London and in China. So, um, that's, a, I, I always appreciate, uh, uh, that because it, it, when you start to, when you, when you can experience other cultures, like you can understand things, like when you can understand things about other cultures, like a lot of things start to make sense, right? Like the, the business relationships in, you know, in, in Asia are very different from, the business relationships that you have in the United States. Right. Um, so, but like being able to experience that firsthand gives you a completely different perspective. Right. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, experience, wherever it comes from, um, you know, always gives you, uh, you know, experience gives you an understanding of things. All right. Uh, and so having moved from one industry to another, uh, is also like a, a big cultural difference. Uh, now, when we talk about just country and, and people, of course, there's a cultural difference uh, in terms of business. And, uh, and you know, being international gives you a sense of um, that for the supply chain and, and how things are working. It's just giving you a holistic uh, approach uh, to business. In general. So I yeah. agree with you. Um, so today on the podcast, everybody, uh, oh, well, let, let, let's, uh, let me take, let me, before I jump into that, let's explain what fortunate is and then what, what kind of, what you offer for people. 
Yes. Yeah, so uh, in a sense, Fortunate is an investment bank. Uh, some prefer to call us agents or uh, brokers. But essentially what we do is to take uh, Amazon sellers uh, and e-commerce uh, business owners through the sales process of their business. And uh, we are aiming for the maximum valuation possible with the best deal structures and terms. So, um, you know, that's that's what we're specif uh, specifically um, uh, helping uh, people with. And, uh, and we have a process that is highly orchestrated. Um, we didn't really invent anything. That, that process has been issued from uh, traditional investment banking firms, such as Morgan Stanley, uh, for the sales process of a business. Um, one particularity with Fortunate is that we only represent sellers. We're on the sales side, not on the buy side. Uh, we do have a great reputation with buyers um, uh, for our deal flow, the quality of the deal we present and the, the quality of work, you know, the, the clarity uh, on, on which we present those deals. Um, and so we, we benefit from a great reputation from, from buyers. However, we do not have any form of payment, and that is very important, uh, you know, uh, from, from buyers. We don't take any commission from them. And we, we put all our work and our, you know, emphasize towards sellers. And also we get paid at the end of the deal, which uh, allows us to be very direct, very honest uh, and very success driven for our clients. So if somebody is ready to sell their business or just and they don't know where to go, you can go to Fortunate, have a consultation. And if everything is, you know, if, if it's if it works out right, then Fortunate will help you from A to Z. Um, and I think that it's I think uh, I think it's cool that you stay agnostic. Um, hey, we're not for the buyers, we're for the sellers. And, you know, you you have a great reputation. Uh, in the community, in the M&A community, right? So I know a lot of aggregators like you uh, because it's very, like you don't, you your only hand in the game is to to get the best valuation because it, you know, it benefits everybody at the end of the day, right? You might, there might be somebody out there that, you know, like oh, I've gone to, I've gone to a few aggregators and I'm getting X, right? And I feel it's worth Y. So you guys do your thing and run through it like, well, actually it's worth Z, right? So it's worth more than you actually thought it was for, but you weren't presenting it in the right manner. Like maybe the PNL was a little off. Maybe you need to throw some ad backs in there, right? Or, you know, it's other things. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, sure. The, the, I just want to, I just want to, you know, I just want to react to a fact that we, we don't really manage everything for sellers we're, we're really focusing on that sales process and we're, we're really good at yeah. That. yeah 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 um, sorry I didn't... So, so just to 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 sort of um uh, you know clarify add what i just said before clarify we were funded in uh 2018 and uh you know we were one of the first investment banks uh, specializing in the sales uh, of medium to large e-commerce businesses uh in particular amazon businesses and uh, we've successfully helped seven to eight figure sellers uh, going through that process uh, in the m &A transaction, you know, and uh, close some of the largest deals uh, in that space. So we're, we're boutique, but we're very um, driven towards uh, these type of businesses uh, that are um, ready to come to market. We, we don't yeah. really manage them to go to market and, uh, and, and uh, 
we don't buy and manage businesses. Either. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. I'm glad you clarified that. So, um, sure. so today what we want to talk about is, um, for everybody listening, I want to talk about kind of just what the M&A market is, mergers and acquisitions, and really just kind of talk about some of these processes. Maybe these things, maybe some of these things don't get talked about a lot. Um, so maybe there's a couple of things in there that that can help you and benefit you uh, down the road. Um, let's see here. Um, <clears throat> so I guess what's what's one of the like the most common What's one of the most common questions that that you get, I guess, from like initial consultations, people are like asking, you know, like basically like what should I be prepared for? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the you know questions we get all the time. And uh, uh, the next one down is, OK, how much uh, multiples will I get for my business? Yeah. And um, and, and so it's it just really showing how. The mindset around this uh, this M and market uh, from a seller perspective is at the moment, and I think without saying it's something wrong, I think there's a lack of knowledge uh, of about what's going on, the aggregators model, you know, and what they're looking for, and how to best uh, match that demand so that you can hit that best possible uh, multiple or valuation. So uh, the, the first thing about this, uh, this market and uh, the aggregators is, uh, you know, aggregators are companies that engage in rolling up uh, businesses, uh, FBA businesses, uh, by the way of merger and acquisition. And uh, that means, you know, uh, that the, they, they buy a lot of businesses. If they've got a lot of fundings for it. You know, uh, last year, in the last 12 months, there was over $12 uh, billion dollars uh, uh, committed to those aggregators and what they do is they buy a lot of businesses at scale uh, and you know that says a lot about their model they they don't necessarily have the capacity to um to you know deploy uh staff and systems for each and uh, each and every business in its uh, specificities specificity sorry um so that means you know if if uh 60% of your sales are on Amazon and maybe 40% are on two other channels. That might be great for your profitability right now, but that doesn't mean uh, that's going to be very valued by this type, specific type of buyers. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, you need to understand uh, exactly what the market is about and what, what people, uh, what aggregators are demanding. Now, the, this market is, um, is not necessarily just represented uh, by, by this type of buyers. Uh, there's also, uh, you know, private equity uh, and uh, home and office. Um, there's uh, M &O, uh, Amazon um, native brands that are, uh, you know, building up their portfolio from uh, a category or a niche in, in a, a vertical in a niche, you know. Uh, so that, those are maybe a little bit different in, in terms of strategy. Uh, there's also corporate and strategic buyers uh, that may have some re retail distribution channels outside of Amazon and, and for X or Y or Z reason wants to buy your brand on Amazon, uh, you know, and develop their, their, uh, their operations there. Uh, so those are actually uh, very valuable when it comes to negotiations, especially in a competitive process uh, like Fortunate has, because it raises uh, valuation further and, and um, 
you know, it's good for sellers. However, this doesn't represent the bulk of the market uh, and it takes longer maybe to, uh, to close deal with them. They look at way more things than, than aggregators do. But back to aggregators, um, what they're trying to achieve is, is to get as much transferability as possible uh, and as much value as possible. So how is that valued? It's based on profit or SD, which is uh, you know, very similar to EBITDA. Um, and uh, you know, the, basically, the, uh, I would say the review mode is a big factor. You know, how many reviews and how much, do you, how much of a space do you hold uh, in the niche? Uh, that's a great metric uh, for your business, for, for your brand. Um, and also at last, what's, you know, what guarantees in the, for the future do you present, uh, when you come to market with your business, you know, that, 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 uh, historical standpoint, uh, all the way to the future is the narrative that you want to, uh, to build up when, uh, when you present your business, uh, into the market. Um, yeah, no, all that stuff's super important and like a review mode, like what you were talking about. So what, if, if you, if people don't understand like a mode is like a business mode, it's just something that is like really helps anchor that brand, right? Like that a review mode is meaning, um, this brand either, or just one, you know, maybe a couple of hero asins or whatever have just like the reviews are really tight, like really, really good, like unstoppable that that is this review mode. That's this mode that is differentiating your product uh, outside of the obstacles. Like let's say you have 10,000 4.8 star reviews and nobody else is even close to that in numbers and, and quality. Right. Um, I think all this stuff is super important. And, you know, you talked about like SDE and EBITDA, like to seller discretionary earnings and earnings before interest taxes, deductions and amortization. Yeah. Uh, that's why we say EBITDA because it's super long to say, but basically yeah. what that is like, that's just a valuation. Like that's, we look at the trailing 12 months of your business. Uh, and we, we take, we look at the PNL and we calculate, SDE or EBITDA. And then if you look up SDE calculator, EBITDA calculator, you can kind of look at your own numbers and get like a rough calculation if you don't understand already. But you look, look at that 12 months of SDE, right? And let's say, just for example, let's say SDE is a million dollars, right? Over yeah. the past tra trailing 12 months. Then you look at multiple. So the multiple could be anywhere from, you know, let's say it's 4X or 5X, right? So you're looking at four to $5 million. Um, and now the, the multiple is a big variable because it depends on the aggregator. Um, like you were talking about, right, like right now, like if I had a business that was 50, 50 shop of like off Amazon and on Amazon, it might not be as attractive to the current community of aggregators because most of us are looking for businesses that do 85 to 90% on Amazon. Um, and it's really 80, 20 rule, right? Like I can build a team that, that I can build teams to manage Amazon brands a lot quicker versus let's figure out Walmart. Right. And I think that the, the trend will, will go in the next few years. I say this a lot, but I just want to keep repeating it until it happens. Right. Uh, I think the trend will happen where, um, there will be aggregators that build out Shopify teams or Walmart teams, or, you know, a, a hybrid model, at least where, Hey, we're attracted to Walmart, like brands that do anything on Walmart, because we've got, we've got a team that can run that business, right. Effectively and run advertising effectively. Uh, and then in other avenues too, like maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe 
uh, you have your own Shopify store and like, hey, we're really good at Shopify and just D to C. Now we've got a team of D to C. So I think that's going to happen. And uh, and I, in, in that trend, I see it happening all, kind of already. And there's certain aggregators that are kind of niching down into certain categories, like two or three categories. We're really good at this. We know how to scale this. We know everything about like if there's regulations or maybe we're just really good at, you know, home decor. Right. We, we've got these teams. It's easy to you know rinse and repeat that process of something they're familiar with and can make you money versus, well, let's figure out eBay, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, like everything you said just makes perfect sense. And but we talked a little bit about valuation. Let's talk a little bit about like what what really like affects like what really swings those valuations. Right. Like what's really good for a brand when in terms of evaluation and what's kind of like. You know, what might be a red flag, like meaning like, oh, well, you know, a red flag would be really low reviews. Like nobody wants to buy a problem per se. Right. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, before diving into that, I, I think I want to go back to uh, one thing that's really essential and uh, and that is clarity of your goals. So, you know, uh, there's only three types of entrepreneurs, in my opinion, and we've discussed that uh, personally. Um, so, you know, the, the first type is the one that will be all in the business for as long as possible, as, as long as it takes. No matter what the change in the market, the saturation, the competition, uh, change of laws, it doesn't matter. They're in for the long term. Uh, they will invest and invest even more in uh, innovation. And, you know, along the way, they, they might actually buy other business to keep their competitive advantage and go further. Um, so, so, you know, an example for this type of entrepreneur would be, of course, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, maybe Bernard Arnault from Louis Vuitton, etc. Uh, now, the other type of entrepreneurs um, that I wanted to refer to is, is those that are very, um, they have a plan. They have a very clear idea uh, on the, the, the terms they want to enter the market and exit it. And uh, the way they do that is they, they want to grow as fast as possible and maybe as big as possible uh, to maximize on uh, ROI on their time, uh, time money ratio. And, uh, and so they're, they're very aware of their strength as well as their weaknesses and, uh, and also the, the, the competitive market, the, you know, the competitors' uh, uh, strengths and weaknesses, and they've got a great idea of what the risk is, and so they, they calibrate a time frame where they enter and and you know hit that sort of uh, capacity where any anything above that capacity would take a lot more capital and uh, or time to get uh, to start having less and less and less results in terms of return. So the optimization of that time is uh, the point of uh, exit, right? Um, so I'll, I'll go back to that in, in a minute um, yeah. because it's relevant to valuation and strategy. Uh, but then there's the third type of entrepreneurs that come in maybe for a reason, which might have been the, you know, more freedom in your life or getting your nine to five or, you know, and, and come into this market with, with one thing, the market's changed so fast now that they just don't know where they are anymore. And, and they're so busy, you know, we find Amazon sellers all the time, they're just so busy. When we talk about exits and, and plans and strategy, they don't even, they didn't, don't even have time to listen, uh, not even taking like a, a 20 minute call, you know, uh, because they're just too busy putting up fires 
uh, or, or getting a knowledge. And, and when they feel like something's going, uh, when the risk basically happened, when something they didn't necessarily see, whether it's personal, familial, uh, or in the business, in the category, maybe a lifetime of a product sh uh, shelf, you know, uh, you know, it just happens that that niche doesn't produce as much anymore. You know, people are getting bored of that product, like, you know, the, the infamous uh, fidget spinner or, or, you know, this has a tremendous impact on the future. So if you don't have that ability to look three to four years ahead and assess your risk, you're in a position where it's very risky for your business, for all the bloods and sweats and tears you put into it, and for the valuation that you might uh, get out of it. Um, I think it's, um, I, I forgot his name. I think Scott uh, Scott mentioned that there's only two time to uh, uh, sell your business. is when, when you hit that maximum opportunity window and uh, when no one wants your business. So, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's very essential that you have a plan. And if you don't necessarily want to sell in, you know, the coming uh, six months, uh, then that you, you plan to know what to do uh, for for maybe two or three years uh, in advance. And, and typically, if you're not in the market right now, you know, transaction are taking four to six months. I mean, sometimes less, but I, I wouldn't advise for that. Uh, yeah. If you don't have anything ready, it's just going to take a lot of time to prepare. So it's very, even if you want to sell next year, right now would be the implementation of your strategy to get yes. to that best window possible. So now you start understanding why engineering, uh, engineering uh, an exit is, is so important as far as 15 to, uh, to 24 months ahead. So, yeah. so that's, that's pretty much uh, what I wanted to, to touch base with. Um, and then, you know, what to do to maximize, well, I, I think you mentioned, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, let me, I, I just want to expand on what you said and you're right. We should have talked about this before we get into the, the metrics, right? Um, yeah. it's super important to, uh, it's super important to, to understand like, what do you want to do with the business? Like, and a lot of stuff that I talk about on this podcast, it doesn't like, even if you never want to sell your business, if you want to hand it down to your kids one day having things like we talked about this before the podcast, but having like the proper, like a, um, there's two main types of uh, PNL, a profit and loss report, cash basis PNL and an accrual based PNL. Um, and you want the accrual based PNL because, uh, you can look at that and you can predict trends. You can forecast everything from cash flow to inventory that allows aggregators to look at that really quickly and be like, okay, this is your, we, we can do this. This is a real brand, but with a cash basis, you can't do that. Now, you also need an accrual-based P&L if you ever want to bring in an investor, if you ever want to go to your local bank or credit union and look for a line of credit for your business. They need, they need to be able to uh, create their own forecast model for your business. So, And the reason I talk about the P&L so much is like it's not this cool, sexy thing to talk about, but it's super important. I was just, and I told you this before the podcast too, I was yeah. talking to somebody on Monday. They want to sell their business. They've got a few brands under the under the umbrella, but it took them four months with their CPA to go from cash basis to accrual based PL. They were rebuilding five years of PLs. And he didn't, you know, five years ago, he's like, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I just built a PL because I found a free template uh, you know, for Google Sheets. And, and that's what I've been doing for this whole time. I never thought about it. But, you know, he spent a lot of money 
with this CPA uh, and time. There's four months just getting that part of the business ready to sell. Right. Um, and that's that's just time. So in most people, uh, I think I think a lot of people that are that are going to market like you were talking about as far as um, scalability and like people kind of know their limits. Right. The number one, I think the number one thing that people, when they talk to me, um, you know, we always ask, why do you want to sell? And every, almost everybody is, well, I've, I've hit my scale. I've hit, I've hit, I've plateaued. Like I have built this to X, right? I can't take it to Y. I can't take this business from 2 million to 20 million. I don't want to bring in outside capital. I don't know how to build a team. You know, I, I just don't know what to do. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to sell at this point. Right. Um, and you know, of course, some people want to retire. Some people are just like, I just want to see how much I can get for it. Right. And I'll cash yeah. out if, if the number's right. So, but I think it's super smart that, that people are understanding. I can't, I can't go to 20 million. I can build a really good $2 million business. I'll just take this money, like a 2 million annual sales, right? I can get it to 2 million. I'm going to sell this business, rinse and repeat this process. And that's what a lot of people's response is, is like, Hey, do you got like a lot, the running joke is like, do you guys take repeat customers like yeah dude, we, we love it so uh we'll see you in a few years you know that's one of the main reason why threshold and i mean you know to name them because they're they were like sort of first to accelerate all, all that market uh they come to uh they come to be because uh the scale of challenges that an entrepreneur needs to face uh between doing let's say half a million to two million dollars and then from two million to five, and five to ten, uh, is dramatically increasing. You know, it's just it, it doesn't. It's not two plus two equal four. You know, the, the actual uh, resistance uh, to scale uh, gets a lot harder. And and the first and foremost um, thing you need is capital. A well capitalized business uh, will allow you to outsource some of the capacity, some of the things that you don't have, the abilities that you don't have and and uh you know implement them in your business so that they can grow if you don't have that then you can't grow and and yeah. most likely if you're trying to and you do everything by yourself you're not going to doing a great job your time's just going to be all over the place and and you know that's that's where people are starting to burn out so having the ability to understand that to your point and uh and, and thinking maybe i should raise capital and if i don't want to then maybe I should just sell. It's a good idea. But then, then yes, if you're just jumping into that, like your uh, you mentioned uh, the, this person, and you don't know the the, the elementary basics, then it's gonna, just going to be a real painful process. And and again, if you don't know, you won't get value for what you don't know. Exactly. Um, exactly. Just you know, and and I, I love aggregators. I really do. They made that possible. They're a driver for the whole economy. Uh, so you know, I, I've got nothing but respect for what they've done and and how they conducted the business. But I always want to tell uh, sellers, you know, when you were going to China and source your product, and I've been sourcing, so I'm, I'm well uh, versed for that. You want the best possible product or service uh, for the minimal amount of cost. Right. Yep. And so buyers, you were a buyer, not a seller at this stage. And and aggregators and all buyers, they 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 just simply have the same logic. It's good business. You want to have the best quality possible for the least amount of cash. So that opportunity uh unraveled for them. Um and um and I think that's why you have to understand 
uh, your weaknesses, your capacity, that point, and uh, and decide from that on if you need to sell and when. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we talked about uh, you know a lot of the planning mindset before going into like if you want to sell your business, like start yeah. if you're thinking about wanting to do it in a year or two, start now. That now yes. is the time to start. Just start unraveling all these pieces to the puzzle. Uh, it'll benefit you in the long run. Um, so let's go back to the juicy part, the key metrics. Like what makes, what's the difference, you know, in, I guess not the difference because there's so many, when, when we talk about multiples, we mean like, is your business worth, is a 3X business? Like, let's say, again, let's say the SDE um, is, is a million dollars. What makes it 3X? What makes it 8X, right? Uh, which is super high, but. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, without, you know, I want to be prudent about multiples because, this is not the only thing, yeah. uh, and every criteria plays a role. Uh, there's in the, the increase or decrease. Yeah, right? there's 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 a ton of variables, right? Uh, an area of things. Now, what every aggregators, uh, every buyer, sorry, will will look at is uh, like basically four things, and maybe a fifth one. Uh, the first one being the revenue. You know, if you're today, the market has changed. Multiples have doubled in two years. That's crazy. The multiples have doubled in average uh, from two years ago. So yeah. buyers are getting a little more picky and nervous about what they're acquiring. And they still have that pressure and that money, you know, they need to spend uh, because that's their model, right? And so <clears throat> they, they, uh, they want higher, uh, they, they want bigger business, right? So sure. revenue is a big one. Anything under a million dollar today and the seven figures uh, has got little to no chance to raise interest. So from the get go, if you're not there yet, um, I suggest that you grow your business. You know, um, Do you mean a million in just annual sales or a million in like SDE? No, annual sales, revenue. Okay. Yep. Yeah, revenue. Now, in terms of profit, uh, SDE, based on that one million dollar uh, revenue, uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, based on $1 million revenue, you want to have net profit, uh, in, in the region of $250,000. So 25%, 25% net profit. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And you know, it, it doesn't mean that if you're at 18, no one's going to buy you, but it just means your odds to, to get the best valuation possible. Uh, it's going to be extremely hard to get. Right. Um, so that's kind of the ballpark, you know, um, and then what they look at is your advertising spend, you know, are, is your advertising profitable? Uh, you know, what does it look like? Uh, because that could be get that could mean a, a lowering it for, for them uh, straight away. Um, and, and then the last part is the gross potential. And that's probably one of the most uh, major factor is like, are you is your business declining? Is your trailing record, which, you know, they, they, of course, they base the valuation in 12 months, but they also look on what the business, you know, where it comes from, what's the background, what's the history uh, from the, the, you know, 2018, 19, 20, et cetera. You know, of course, there's COVID. So everyone, even them, they have problems with supply chains and, and challenges they need to face. So they understand that. But if the, the business were already declining in 19 and 20, or even stable and started slowly declining, well, right off the bat, you know, they don't want to spend time on that opportunity because there's just so many other opportunities. They want to allocate their resource where it's better. 
So again, if you're in that spot, it's going to be really hard for you to find the right buyer. And the chances are that even if they agree to a deal with you, they, they might give you a lower offer than your asset is really worth. All right. So the last one, and it maybe it's, it's just another um, way to look at it, could be a deal breaker at some point. It's transferability. You know, and touching base on Shopify, etc. cetera, uh, you know, if your operations are too complicated, let's say, you know, you've got a great SDA, uh, you know, you've got a great revenue doing 5 million with 25 to 30% SDA, that's great. But your SKUs are like, you know, you've got 150, 200, 300 SKUs in your uh, uh, inventory. Well, that's a lot of listing to manage. You know how many staff they can allocate to every listing to optimize that's yeah. that's becoming a puzzle so those type of businesses that are not easily transfer uh, transferable are maybe a problem for you you know they, they might place their uh, their valuation elsewhere yeah. right and so that work based based on 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 that you know there's a work to do to maybe uh focus your resources on you know the the 20% the of uh, SKUs that are representing 80% back to the rule um, of your revenue. And maybe, you know, uh, increase, decrease PPC, having, you know, that, that sort of very Amazon-centric um, aspect when you, when you shift from growth to I want to sell my business and I need to have as much profit as possible uh, to show. Yeah. And, you know, too, like it honestly depends on the aggregator and like there could be just a variable of reasons. Maybe your type of product, they like, let's say, let's say you have supplements. Maybe they they have a supplement brand and they're like, we don't want to get into this anymore. We're, we're not good at it. Right. Or whatever. They had some bad issues or maybe maybe the product, too. Maybe everything is perfect on paper. Financials are through the roof, like SDs, financials, everything's perfect. But maybe that aggregator just is not that familiar. Maybe it's a super niche product and maybe they're just not that familiar with it. They don't, they're not comfortable taking a chance on that. Like it might be a great brand, but yeah. it, maybe it is supplements and maybe this aggregator is like, we, we don't know anything about supplements. We don't want to get into it, you know? Um, and that's, that's understandable. So like, it, it's important to realize like you can have everything perfect, but if you don't, if somebody passes on it, don't take it personally because it, you know, you can go to 10 different aggregators and you'll get 10 different numbers. If well, it is the perfect brand, you'll still get 10 different numbers. Yeah, I think it's a great question you ask right now. And, uh, you know, it, it just uh, tapped into my wheelhouse. Uh, so, you know, I'm very happy to share about this. Uh, first of all, when you're, when you're tapping to uh, 10 different aggregators, that means that your, your business is, doesn't necessarily need you as a, a CEO or or business owner that that means that you've got a lot of time because the job i mean the actual uh going into 10 different houses to see if there's a deal that can be concluded the back and forth and emails uh you know understanding all the, the, the you know all the dimensions possible it becomes a real job and, and nine to five every day uh before before you actually get to a good understanding of the aggregators what they want to do etc and uh, and at Fortunate, we specialize in this. We don't only tap 10 people, but the 40 plus uh, people at Fortunate actually uh, have a full market coverage of different type of uh, aggregators, but also buyers. And, uh, you know, we've got 25 plus years of experience doing this. 
and that's why you know having people on your team that know the market and and have the experience are dramatically increasing your chance because if you want to hit a target and you miss well you pick up your arrow or again whatever and you go to the next target and you have to restart the process from scratch um what we do is a competitive process where you know we we build that we do a full PL recreation for the sellers and we go very deep if there's something to add back let's say you know you've been using freight uh, uh air freight instead of uh sea shipping uh twice in a year because you didn't want to run out of inventory well that is you know a calculation that can be negotiated as profit so what we call an add back there's all the things that array of things that we also specialize into um even though you want to be uh be very clear about what you negotiate and what sometimes you prefer to uh, discard as a negotiation point uh to affect the best valuation but we do a full PL recreation and we we will go deep uh when a dollar can get you five back you want to make sure everything's counted correctly the second thing is presenting you know presenting uh your story like I said that narrative and we build a deck of a 40 to 60 page uh deck that gives the the buyer an interesting value of the business right now before and what we project a projection to what it's going to be so you know when a deck is very clean and tells that story very precisely uh you know it appeals to to buyers and right now the interest is raising which leads us to the third step of our process which is that competitive process we're talking about right now and and being able to tap uh not 10 not five and not one but over a hundred buyers profile will will definitely um have people compete with each other to get the business and that drive logically the valuation to this highest and that's what we do at fortunate that's yeah so that's super cool that you guys spend that much time recreating somebody's PL, right because like you said like there'd be something about abex you know like maybe you know maybe i have my own warehouse and i've got a couple of employees and and i've got internet and rent and water and you know all these other things those are ad backs right because as an ad, as when you buy that business you're not buying sometimes you don't buy the employees uh that's kind of an unfortunate thing about you know and sometimes we do right um it just depends on the needs of the business so but we're not going to be renting that same warehouse that you do so those are all kind of really super important things to talk about and, and to think about too so there's two other things that i want to talk about before we run out of time so um i want to talk about deal structure um yeah. and and i want to talk about um that transfer process like transferring all these like assets right so like you know, there might be something that that uh that you might not think is ip like an intellectual property like maybe there's a mold that you've used and maybe you haven't used it forever because you know whatever but that's actually ip and that's transferable so let's yeah. let's, let's kind of break down like a deal structure kind of you know highlight some areas and then we'll get into the transfer process right well to to bounce on just that the ip you know when when products are patented uh that that give a tremendous value to your brand uh you know trademarked uh in all the marketplace uh, possible even the ones that you don't necessarily sell into gives a lot more uh you know risk assessment for for brands to for buyers to buy your brand so uh we strongly recommend for for you know sellers to do as much as they can on that on that part now for the deal structure um you, you can be very creative but once again you know what's your ability 
to create some kind of deals that represent best your interests. Measuring your assets and, and negotiate to the fiercest uh, to get the, that valuation. If you don't know the M&A space, uh, which was my case a year ago, um, it's very hard to see what you don't, don't know. Um, uh, and so there's different deal structure that you can think of. Uh, typically, at Fortunate, we, we always, you know, uh, plebiscitate a, you know, the most cash upfront type of deals, uh, which is, you know, in order to 80 to 95% upfront. Uh, it's not always um, the case, you know, it really depends on the type of business uh, and the buyers we, we talk to. Uh, but I think it just makes sense to a lot of sellers to work under this uh, type of uh, deal structure. Now, what you want to do is, is make sure that you're getting protected. Uh, let's say, you know, the, the other part is what we call usually a earn out. So it's basically the ability to, uh, to have another exit based on, on maybe performance of the brand. Uh, and, uh, you know, on, on the profit, there's different types of things you can uh, tap into, um, you know, uh, but, but, but really what you want to make sure on that structure of deal is being fully protected if those targets are not being hit, uh, you know, hit. So uh, let's say, for instance, you've got, you know, 20% earn up, um, you know, spades over the next, the course of the next uh, two years. And, uh, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, like for running out of stock, because sometimes even aggregators run out of stock, you know, they, they have business models that have hundreds of employees to get something done. Maybe they don't have the same reactivity of uh, where, where small businesses have their eyes and pulse on the business. It, it doesn't work like that necessary when buyers uh, for buyers. So you want to make sure you get protected against uh, what happens afterwards when you transfer the business. I, I guess this is probably on a high level, what I would recommend uh, people to do. But as far as deal structures, there's an area of different, different things uh, you can do. And I'm more than happy uh, to go on a, on, a, on a phone call with anybody uh, if you want to know more. I think it, it, we don't have much, much time to tap into all the, the type of deals that are, that are available. Yeah. So, yeah, so typically, so just to kind of uh, piggyback on what you said, like the most, the, the typical deal structures are either like, a 100% sale. Like, so, you know, a lot of people were just like, I want to be done. I don't want to be an employee. I don't want to be a consultant. Yeah. I want, I don't want those, you know, and then, uh, I, you know, and then there's like, then there's kind of a split. Sometimes it's 50% up front and then you get maybe a consultant role. And a lot of times those are really like a silent consultant role. Like you don't do much, but you're just kind of on hand. And, you know, sometimes you can make a, a decent uh, living just being that, that consultant. Right. And then you get earnouts, meaning like a commission based on revenue, um, yeah. you know, quarter, quarter, year over year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. I mean, if you know, most people want out. Uh, they they yeah. also they also like to keep their team, and uh, you know, aggregators typically don't don't value your team, or they don't uh, you know board them uh, into their companies. So um, you know, this is something that we we see frequently. Uh, now, for, for buyers to stay in the brand and, and make it sure, um, basically, even if you make a deal with um, an aggregator, even if you don't take part of that company, uh, people expect, uh, buyers expect to be able to call you for the next six to 12 months. If there's a problem with the brand, you know, they, they need to be able to ask a question and it, it sort of, uh, you know, falls naturally 
uh, into the deal that uh, that you agreed to do so uh, if you're not taking part of, of the company afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah, also de that depends on the size of the business too. If you got three SKUs, probably not six to 12 months. If there's, you know, 50 SKUs, then maybe, right? So it depends on the complexity of the product and then, and, and, and how just how big that business really is. Yeah. And I've heard like, you know, this is typically not in aggregators wheelhouse, but um, I heard that a couple of them actually uh, only bought a part of the equity. So let's say the major part of the brand have been acquired. And then, you know, like maybe the 40, 35% that's left, uh, they are actually remain uh, on the owners, on the brand owners, the original brand owners, and uh, and they keep doing it. You know, it really depends on what, again, what you want to do uh, with that. Most people want to leave uh, the brand for, for aggregators or buyers to take it to the next level, but they want to make sure that legacy lives on. So sure. I think it's really important uh, in your structure as well as your, um, you know, choice of buyer, uh, what you choose. And you yeah, need to and, about that. yeah. And I think something like this is, is really important too. like, you want to understand what you want, not just a dollar amount in your head, but what you want in terms of an exit. Do you want to like do this anymore? Or are you, have you already launched another brand and you need to, you need to scale that up and you're going to use some of that cap, you know, like, are you okay with taking on that consultant? Like, so that, and the good thing is, is there's a lot of choices right now for people that wanting to sell their business. Like you've got a lot of options. There's a lot of aggregators and there's not, it's not just in this Amazon space, right? Um, there, you know, there's tons of, the best way to know that is, in my opinion, is actually rich professionals, you know, and not just brokers, you know, accountants uh, that specialize in e-commerce and, uh, you know, lawyers, corporate lawyers and uh, e-commerce lawyers, they will tell you what's available. And for, of course, for us, uh, for, for the valuation, uh, and we can send you to many of those accountants and, uh, you know, a service provider, very highly professional uh, that we vetted. Um, to get that knowledge, you know, it's so important that you know what you want and how to get there, you know, absolutely. That's what, yeah. Back, back to having more than one discussion. If, if you don't find a right fit with one, then you should be able to go to the next one now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think lastly, let's talk about, um, I guess that transfer process, because we're also not talking about just IP. We're not just talking about you know, molds or social media accounts, and email lists, like we're also talking about those relationships with suppliers, a relationship with, you know, your staff and your relationship with, you know, maybe a freight provider too. Yeah. So what buyers are looking for is a continuity. Uh, you know, they, again, based on what they want, they want a low and give fruit opportunity. So for anything like, you know, going from uh, one marketplace to uh, uh, two or three international ones, that's something they're they're really good at, and they can uh, easily build uh, revenue and profit off of that. That's a low income for them. Uh, so great if you leave some of that opportunity for them when you enter the market. But back to what we were saying, um, you know, they want continuity with your suppliers. Um, you know, if, if you have a great relation, they want to keep that. So they they will interview, of course, yourself and your maybe your suppliers just to uh, vet and make sure this is sustainable. If you know what are they uh, going to do with the price and everything uh, th there's a consultation process uh, during the before the transfer 
etc. Um, but they're really going for continuity. Then down the line, they might uh, consolidate. And what I mean by consolidation of supply chain is, is maybe, you know, your 3PL <clears throat> and maybe your, your PPC service provider or things like that. Uh, those relations and your, your team, most likely, uh, they have the system and the staff in place to do those. So they're probably going to disrupt uh, those services. Um, but as far as wanting the continuity uh, and, and not change things around, they, they will save as much possible uh, so that you know they plug easily into their business. Yeah. Well, and that, that makes sense too, right? Like a, if, if, if we're buying a, a business, for example, like we've got a PPC, we've got an advertising team, right? So you know, your software that you use, we might, we might not use that or need that or that agency that you, we just might not have a need for it. So, but it's important to have all that information out there because you, there's just, you never know what kind of opportunity is out there. Right. Exactly. Um, they might so, find some, some hidden gem somewhere and uh, actually change their whole system to uh, what, what one or two sellers actually did. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, but, um, is there any, I guess, last thoughts, any parting thoughts you want to tell anybody about if they're looking to, you know, if they're looking to, to sell a business or if they're just kind of thinking about it, getting their feet wet, is there anything, I guess, any parting based on our conversation? Yeah, sure. Just to finish on the transfer, what you want to make sure is that of course you've got, you know, like, uh, I would advise for a good lawyer to make sure the transaction and transfer uh off brand is done correctly you know go through escrow etc so you know make sure that you understand that process of transferring uh usually the all the legal stuff takes about a week uh then there's just more moving parts and uh and before you give all of your information to aggregators and buyers you know you want to make sure that that offer is serious and that it's going to go through before you give the last last uh very valuable information so now back to your question i would probably um, just go into four things uh, sellers should uh, know before selling their business, you know, and that's uh, getting your house in order. The most important things to do is to make sure your business is performing as well as it can. Uh, and, you know, now's the time to assess your cash flow, your expenditures, your tax strategy, uh, and other every other elements uh, of your operations uh, uh, to see if that can be optimized uh, for profit. Uh, then considering the timing, so crucial. Uh, it's always easier to sell a business when it's on the upswing. And it's also, uh, also, which is a bit schizophrenic in the same way, it's when sellers are the least, you know, thinking the least of selling the business. It's when they're growing so fast, they're so exhilarated by the growth that they don't necessarily think of exiting. Well, it, it's just the best time to sell. So uh, timing, again, is important. For this reason, uh, you know, uh, seasonal businesses should probably look to sell uh you know living you know having a good track record and maybe leaving that season to buyers like you know yeah. like six to seven months in advance they want to sell and say hey uh you know it's almost there so that buyers see the, their their revenue their return on investment straight away uh, just an example that's a great strategy so if you sell christmas uh this is a okay side note and then we'll we'll end sure, but sure. uh i was looking for examples on uh I, I think i was just browsing one day and i found um you wouldn't believe how much money is made in 
Christmas tree bags <laughs> and wrapping paper bags. So just bags, like kind of like cardboard boxes, bags uh, for wrapping. Paper. And I saw the numbers and I was like, absolutely blown away. Like I've been, I've been in this community for over six years and I'm still blown away by like what kind of revenue certain products make. And of course this is Q4, right? So like that, but my point to saying all that is if that's the business that you're selling, you don't want to sell it in January. You don't want to start selling it the first of the year. You want to start selling, you want to start, you know, putting that business out there sometime in the summer, right? Because boom, it's acquired instant. Yeah. So Makes yeah, you know, seasonality is something it just present always presents a risk. Uh, so typically, not every buyer is going to be there to uh, interested or not, whatever. But if you have to sell, yeah, leave that sort of uh, you know big opportunity for them to uh, to get the best of their return uh, straight away. Yeah. Um, so carry on now on, on the third thing is is consult with experts. You know, there's no shame seeking expert and assistance. Uh, if, if structuring the sale in the tax friendly manner, setting a price, you know, eventually uh, having a target on what, you know, what's your number uh, and, and the part of process is just a little too much for you. It, like I said, it becomes a real, you know, a real job besides running your business. Just consult with uh, your accountant, your lawyer, and of course, uh, your investment banker or broker agent. Uh, that way you can focus on one thing you do best and that's running your business. Absolutely. Um, the last one, which is probably one of the most important is show buyers. Uh, you know, when you, when you present your business, show buyers a bright future, you know, when a buyers buys a business, it's primarily the focus, uh, primarily the focus is going to be, uh, on the proven track records, but also, uh, the potential, uh, to consider. So, uh, having a, a, putting together a growth strategy to show that to buyers is, is very sound. Uh, yeah. one of the great, greatest assets, um, so more businesses have, uh, it's an intimate knowledge of what their own business, uh, what, what the own operation is. So use that, uh, to point out opportunities, uh, to new owners to expand that, um, into their uh, companies. Yeah. You know, a few a few a few thousand dollars and and you know dozens of hours can take you take have a, have a great impact on your uh, outcome and bottom line so those Absolutely. are the four things that i would uh recommend um and yeah and on that last note too like don't don't wait for the buyer to ask you those questions like what do you where do you think the potential is have some sort of plan it can be a one pager right but have some put some thought into it because uh, it just helps them understand that market better. And, you know, don't just say uh, expand to Shopify and Walmart, right? Because that's kind of the de facto responses. But, you know, put some thought into like, well, these are the complementary products that we're looking into. Or maybe, you know, maybe we're expanding into into this market too. Like maybe this type of product fits another category as well. So, yeah, um, yeah putting that thought into that little bit of growth plan. Again, it could be a one pager, but it can definitely help the, yeah. the buyer see the vision of the future. Well, even if you don't plan ahead, uh, you know, as far as one or two years ahead, uh, those several steps or things that you should know before uh, putting your business on the market is just going to impact your bottom line so dramatically. Uh, you know, the more advanced preparation, the better, to be honest. Absolutely. Uh, 
Baptiste, uh, I feel like we could have done this for uh, for another hour easy. Um, Why? <laughs> maybe nobody would listen to two hours, uh, but I think we could have easily gone through that. There was about half the questions I didn't even get to ask you. So, but uh, I, th I thank you for taking the time here. Um, it's always a pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you in person again soon, if there's any events for 2022. So we're we're gonna cross our fingers on that. Um, so. Yeah. If anybody wants to ask you more questions about Fortunate or kind of have a consultation, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, uh, we we just rebranded our, our our website, so I you know invite everybody to uh, go check it out at uh, Fortunate.net. Uh, and uh, for you know any sort of uh, advice uh, consultation, uh, I'm happy to take the call and talk about the MA and how to uh, you know improve your chance uh, before going to market. You can reach out to uh, Baptiste, uh, uh, Baptiste at fortunate.net, and you spell it B A P T I S T E at fortunate.net. Uh, thank you very much for having me uh, today. I felt like we we barely brushed the surface, but as you can see, it's a, it's a very wide and deep subject. So yeah. you know, uh, uh, happy to take uh, any call at any moment. And if, of course, if you're interested to sell, uh, do reach out, get a broker, uh, and let's uh, get you set up. Absolutely. Um, and I'll, I'll just have to have you on again one day and we'll have a part two. <laughs> it's a, it's a great honor so, to be here. For yes. Sure. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Define Your Exit podcast. Uh, this is Barkis Patty. Uh, these air twice weekly now, um, and you can listen to it anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to What the Exit Podcast with your host, Barkas Patty from Emergent. Every week, I'm talking to industry leaders, brand owners, and service providers about what it's really taking to build that brand on Amazon these days in 2021 and going forward, and really how to maximize the value of the business of that great thing that you've built. If you have questions for us, you can always contact us. Uh, go to emergent.com, E-M-E-R-G-A-N-T.com. There's a contact us button. That'll go directly to me. You can also shoot me a message on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or you can shoot me an email at barkus at emergent.com. Um, be sure to comment. Let me know what you think about the podcast. If you, if you love it, subscribe to it. Tell a friend about it. And uh, we'll see you next week.